Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. Come on, say. Come on, say. <laughs> we uh, on, just say came that. back from seeing Happy End, Michael Haneke's Happy End, uh, at the Midlands Art Cinema. Art uh, Centre. Art Centre. The Mac. At the Mac. Uh, and the first thing to say is just how wonderful, you know, the facilities are now. They have a 4K projector and you can really tell that it's a 4K projector. You can really, really tell. Yeah. Uh, I think the f- I noticed it just the other day. I went to see um, Human Flow. Uh-huh. I went to see Human Flow the other day there, which you're going to see in a few days. And um, and I noticed it then. I thought, wow, this is an incredibly clear, beautiful picture. They've splashed out. It makes clearly. such a difference. I mean, I think it's the best screen in Birmingham now, outside of the IMAX at Cineworld, really. Yeah, kind mm. of, you can see it's very luminous. Yeah. Uh, and it's also sharp. Right, so you have the warmth of the light, along with the ability to see things clearly. You know, so um, uh, uh, it just makes everything really different because there are times at Cineworld where everything just feels like a bit grey and damp, and mm. you realize it's actually not the film's fault. It's just there's not enough light hitting the screen. You know. Yeah, you can't so, feel the way that. Yeah, it's just you. You feel that at the at, at the Mac, the film is being. Presented to its best advantage. Yes. You couldn't be watching it in a better presentation. That's right. Which is great. Yeah. That's a really thrilling sort of visual. Yeah, so since we've been so critical of, you know, other instances where uh, either the projection or the screen or the facilities haven't been up to par, we thought we'd uh, take a moment to really praise uh, the Midlands Art Centre for, you know, uh, providing the audience with such a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. Although the seats aren't that good. Oh, right. <laughs> saying, you know, if you could take you could the, have saved that for another time. I'm just saying, you know, if you want to take the, take the seats out of the Cineworld, take the seats out of the Cineworld and put them in, in okay. the Mac, then you'd be great. Anyway. Um, and also, they don't allow food in there, which is lovely. What do you think of Happy End? I really enjoyed it, which is an interesting thing to say about Hanukkah, because you sometimes feel these films really aren't designed for that, but this is quite clearly a black comedy. Yes. Um, and it, there was quite a full cinema, and it got a lot of laughs out of them um, I think people uh, I, I don't think it's so much people recognise parts of it in themselves although I'm sure that's true but um, it's just that it's, it's it's got a quite sensitive sort of comic feel to it yes um, quite cute quite black I mean I loved it I, I kind of you know I do think Hannick is one of those filmmakers that you have to see on a big screen because there are moments in the narrative where, at least speaking for myself, if I were seeing it on my own, on a TV, I'd put a TV on pause, go wash some dishes, or call a friend, or, right, like, it, it's, it's a film that does make demands on you. Oh, yeah. You know, that does all kinds of interesting things, but they're demanding, you know, and there was a stretch in the film where I feel, oh my God, I've got to endure this, right? Like, you know, you... you a lull. yeah. But then actually, there's a payoff later on at the end because all the pieces fit together and it finally all makes sense. You know, and that which had been a bit burdensome to kind of sit through, all of a sudden kind of becomes, you know, fascinating, really. Um, I, I, love, I love that about Haneke. Before we go on, obviously, we should say spoilers are coming up. Yeah, lots of spoilers about everything. As usual. <laughs> um, so where did you feel the lull was? Well, it was almost kind of right at the beginning, like, well, or, 
you know, about a third or a quarter of the way through because, you know, you're seeing all these things and initially they don't quite make sense, right? Well, he's, he's doling information very slowly and carefully, like who, who the members of the family are and how they relate to each other. Yes. Um, I, I, I was paying very close attention to that, but I ended up with no questions about that. You know, I think it, the information does ultimately come out. It does ultimately um, come out, but unlike uh, other filmmakers, he doesn't necessarily give it to you when you want it. Mm. You know, so for example, uh, there's a scene where there's like all of these quite erotic and in some ways quite romantic but really filthy email exchanges going on. I didn't know who it was being sent to, right? It took me a while to gather who was like doing the sending. And actually, you know, because it's, it's a film about a family, you see a surname, but you actually don't know. I mean, I mm. thought it was the young man rather than, you know... The father. The, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you see know, a name Thomas, but then it's, it's only until much later that someone calls someone Thomas. Yeah, you know. Exactly. There's a lot of that. Or like, um, for instance... The, the relationship between the mother and the son. So the son is this sort of foreman on a building site and, and a wall falls down and then he's having an argument uh, at the site with uh, an investigator mm. and the mother's there. I'm thinking, what's the mother doing here? Like, has she just come along to, yeah. to help him out? And then, and then there's a bit of dialogue where she says, um, we, are, we don't want this to happen again. It's like, and so that makes it clear that she's part of the company. Yeah. And it's just, and it's like, but it's doled out subtly. Yes. So, I mean, I think there were two things that really stood out for me about this film. One was that, you know, how the narrative doles out information when it sees fit rather than when you want it. And it creates all kinds of tensions and excitement out of doing it that way. But I think it's done very subtly and naturally. Yes. No, it's, it's good. It's, it's I'm yeah. praising it. Yeah. Um, so, and the other thing is how it deals with, um, I mean, this is also part of doling out information, but, you know, there is this thing about in cinema, and, and particularly in certain types of cinema, that if you hear, you know, if somebody's talking, you will hear what they say, and you might even hear it too loudly. Whereas in, in Haneke's films, you're often at a distance right, kind of, you actually don't hear, information is rationed to you, right, so kind of people could be talking about all kinds of things, all you see is that they're on the phone, far away, or that they're talking somebody, to somebody across the street, mm. but what's important is not what they're saying, really, but what you're seeing, mm. right, and you can imagine what they're saying, or, you know, when the little girl finds her father on the phone, you know, you don't know what he said, you haven't heard what he said, and actually it later turns out that she has heard, but for a while, you can sense she's heard something, but how much and what? Yeah, but it's it's the performance. Like so when so when the girl sees the dad has taken a phone call saying this is work, uh, I need to take this, and then when she spots him a, a few seconds later, he's it's it's clearly an intimate phone call, and you can tell from his performance mm. he's smiling. There's there's a look. It's not a work phone call, yes. um, so it doesn't matter that uh, you can't hear, you know that he's on the phone with, with something, someone intimate. Yes. I also like the way that the whole world in this film is mediated, right? So, you know, you, you watch a building site collapse and, you, you know, you, you're conscious that you're seeing it through a surveillance camera. The film opens with, you know, something being filmed on an iPhone, you know, and when at that moment you don't know who's doing the filming, Emails occupy, yeah, kind mm. of uh, an important part of the narrative. Things like that, I thought. Yeah, you know. and there's a there's a, a YouTube uh, 
sort of, sort of YouTube aesthetic, but basically a YouTuber. Yes. Uh, blogger, YouTube vlogger, rather, has, um, has done a, yeah, there's well, stuff about he's found some old videos or photos of himself, yes. and then he's applying loads of crazy video effects to them. In a way that, you know, it's like, so it jars with the, the nature of the rest of the yes. season. Yes. It does, because, you know, what's interesting about this film is that all of that social media and so on is is used to hide more than to reveal, right? So, you know, so, so kind of the young girl films her mother's last night. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, she doesn't reveal her actions, you know, in relation to that last night. You know, kind of the blogger, the the vlogger with a V that we see, you know, she's seeing it online but doesn't necessarily have any relationship to him. Whereas, you know, she clearly has a relationship with her parents, but she thinks she might not have the kind of relationship that she wants with her father. Yeah, so, so the way that social media is used, it's part of the landscape, right? And it's part of a link that people have with each other. You know, but it's not necessarily a transparent link. It's funny, actually, I kind of took it the other way. I took it completely the opposite. Ah. It, to me, it, it suggests that there are basically three uh, kind of kind of digital uh, sort of worlds that the film occasionally dips into. There's um, the sharing the video on the iPhone yes. with, with comments that, that she... It's the girl, ultimately, we find yes. her doing it. And she's writing these little comments that pop up and you kind of narrate it yes. um, as it's being shown. There's the bit where she watches the YouTube video. Yes. Uh, of the kid talking about his, his photos from when he was younger, and and the, the emails and Facebook messages mm. um, with the the guy having the affair, mm. and those are all about being more intimate than people are in real life. Um, the, oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh. the, the the conversations that they have over social media are filthy, and they're yes. all like they're they're talking about I want to piss on you yes. and I want your ass and all the rest of it. Um, yes, they're incredibly filthy and intimate, and these declarations of love that just come. Thick and fast. Um, the kids on the, watching the YouTube video, his the entire section that it's like a vignette really because it doesn't fit with anything but else. Who is he? Sure, but but the point is that is about this just this guy show, showing off to YouTube. Look look what I was when I was a kid. This was the only dance move I could do at the time. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Uh, but it's about revealing himself, yes. and, and it's quite self effacing. Yes. I mean, at first, I didn't realise it was him. I guess I must have missed a line of dialogue. I thought he was attacking someone. Mm. And then I realised when he says, this was the only dance move I could do, I thought, oh no, this is him when he was a little kid. And, yes. he's, and he's been quite insulting to himself. Yes. And then, uh, and right at the start, all the iPhone videos, uh, the girl sharing um, the, the kind of things that she's up to in life. You're right that she doesn't, she's not completely honest, but yeah. she's still. it's still about sharing. And she's, she's, she's speaking and sharing with people Far more than she's in real life, because when she's spoken to by a father in real life, she she hides really, yes. and it's only when she speaks to her grandfather and they start sharing stories about about the kind of relationships with death yes. that 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 comes out, and that's very late on in the film. Yes, I don't know. I, well, that's interesting. I mean, you may be right. Actually, I, I, it'll you, actually it would be interesting to see again in that in that respect, because certainly there are things that are being revealed, and particularly revealed to us. Yeah, uh, through mediated forms, through the television, through the emails. Actually, I would include in this also the karaoke. Mm. Yeah, you know, that the son is expressing something through that hip-hop music that obviously he has, he has trouble talking to his mother about. <laughs> yeah. yeah? yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it's kind of like there is a kind of expression that is going on through mediated forms 
that is partial but nonetheless heartfelt. That's right, actually, I think. And then people's relations in real life, so to speak, are much more formally bounded, right? And hierarchized and ritualized. So, you know, because, I mean, what we haven't said until now is that the whole film revolves around the bourgeois family, right? Like, uh, you know, a family who owns uh, a construction company, mm. right? Uh, you know, and very well-to-do, uh, you know, and they have servants, right? So kind of, you know, it's about this group of people that, that we're talking about with these very ritualized ways of being and relationships and hierarchies and, yeah, kind of. One of the things that's very interesting in the film is the way that kind of race seeps in Mm. Yeah, in all kinds of interesting ways. It's kind of, it's there on the edges of this world and kind of depicted as a threat that has to be managed or assuaged, right? Mm. Uh, uh, and in which the politeness of forms is something that oppresses these people. So, you know, there's an instance in which the owner's dog has bit this child, right? Which is like a frightening thing. And all of a sudden, all the good manners come in and a box of chocolates and so on. But that's all to, 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 to make a threat not happen or to, to assuage a threat or to put a, a, pot, a potential threat to the side or to deflate it, yeah, to well, yeah, the, extinguish the, it. The child, the child is the child of um, the one servants. of the servants, the, one of the cooks. And she's Moroccan. Or Moroccan, yeah. She's Moroccan, as you, as you know from slightly earlier, when the, the, the son... That the family has drunkenly announced that this is our Moroccan slave. Yes. And you must try her rice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's very, I think it's really, um, it's really beautifully done. And also I like, so it begins very darkly because actually I think we should just say it, it, it begins with a daughter basically poisoning her mother as a kind of a game, really. It's a child's game. You know, but it's 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 more than that. So, you know, her mother is on all of these medications and the daughter's experimented on her hamster, you know, and then the next person that she experiments with is her mother, right? And as a result, her mother is hop- hospitalized and ends up dying. So basically, the daughter has killed her mother, yeah? Um, now, you know, this is kind of made a bit more complex than that because you're actually not sure whether she intended to or whether she really wanted to kill her. Mm. Yeah, but what you do know is that she needs attention and she wants to go live with her father. Yeah, mm. and that she wants that attention. So the film is already bounded by this notion of this very innocent looking, very beautiful, you know, clear blue eyes, you know, 13 year old child could is potentially a deadly killer. So actually, by starting off with that, it makes every subsequent appearance of the child have a really interesting tension, right? So there's a moment where she goes to live with her parents and there's a baby and she just holds up the baby and all of a sudden, you know, a 13-year-old child holding up the baby instead of being a sweet, oh, how cute thing, becomes one full of tension and danger. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, it's, it's like one of those Hitchcockian MacGuffins because actually nothing happens, but it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, it's charged with that tension, uh, which I thought was great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the Hitchcock thing of if you, if you show two people having a conversation and then the seat blows up, there's no tension, but if you tell them five minutes earlier, there's a bomb under there. Exactly. Yeah. So Even if the bomb isn't going to go off. 
So the bomb, you know, in this film, or the MacGuffin in this film, is that, you know, everybody is capable of things that are not advertised by their appearance. That, you know, there's something underneath the looks and the formality. So the bourgeois home and the bourgeois mentality is, you know, also, you know, a, a, a killer one. I don't know how else. Yeah. Um. Uh, I wanted to uh, think about uh, race because, um, as you said, it's kind of on the fringes. And I think there's something kind of meta going on with it, which is that um, the one thing that I knew about the film, really, before I went into it, was that it was about bourgeois life mm. um, in sort of Calais, ignoring the refugee crisis. Yes. Um, and that led me to believe that it would be much more... Uh, explicit about that and much more really that would be the focus more than it is and I think that it's weird because it meant the fact that I had heard the film described that way and I think that's basically the only way people are really describing the film um, it prepared me to look for that mm. and so the fact that actually I really didn't see very much of it and it's it, it comes in it's very brief you, you, there's um, the, there's the couple of the servants that you see um, who are clearly uh, uh, of minority ethnic, although you don't know that you don't know if they're refugees or not, but they're from minority ethnic backgrounds. And then, right, basically towards the end of the film, um, the son brings in a lot of refugees. You've also seen them briefly earlier with the grandfather. Um, he brings in a lot of refugees to disrupt mm. uh, a, a very white, very bourgeois birthday party. Yes, um, or uh, engagement party. Engagement party. But it, this is in the context of like a two-hour film. It happens very, very little. But, I think, and I think it's that if I hadn't been prepared for that, I wouldn't have seen it as as much of a topic as it is. But I think that because I had the ground had been prepared for me to look for that, the fact that I wasn't noticing it, it was almost kind of like saying, um, you should notice how much this isn't in the film. Like you, like you were kind of so... You, the film is so about the, the bourgeois family um, that... That because they exclude minorities and refugees from their life, mm. even though they're on the doorstep, the film does as well. Well, except that, it, like, well, but like in Calais, I mean, because I hadn't read any, anything at all on the film, um, and I, I, to me, it was very noticeable. Okay. You know, because you're right; it occupies a very minor role in the narrative, but it's always on the edges and it's always disruptive. And I think it's much more than the two scenes you mentioned, which are very important. But So, for example, you know, there's the scene of Jean-Louis Trantignant walking in the wheelchair, you know, down the street. And then, like, there's these four black guys that appear, and he's trying to negotiate something with them, which you never hear what well, it is. Well, that's the one of the scene I mentioned with the, the, the yeah, the black guys. Okay, All right, Sorry, okay. Um, you know, so I think, I think it is, you know, the combination of the servants being Moroccan, which in France, you know, North African has a particular mm. resonance, right, colonial resonances, you know, and then, you know, kind of these people on the street, and then the music being hip-hop, and it's just there on the edges, right? Like, yeah. you know, so so I, you're right, I think, the, like, the film is about keeping it out of sight, and, you know, and having it come in at tangents and explosive moments and so on, but I think it is, it is there. Yeah, I think you're right, but I just I, all I guess I'm saying is that had had I not had the film not been described to me in that way, I would have had a different experience of that aspect of it. I think that 
uh, because because it was described as a film about ignoring refugees. Yes. Um, it, it's almost like saying you should look for what's not in this film. I, I actually I I don't even think I would describe the film as being about you know keeping refugees at bay now. Well, I I, I kind of agree, but uh, I think that's interesting. Then that the film is being described that way. Maybe people are searching for a description of it. I don't know. Yes. Or may, but but I um but that is the primary way. Really, the only way that I've seen it described. I mean, but, yeah, well, it's interesting. The way that I would describe it, it's it is about a bourgeois family, you know, uh, um, with with uh, and actually with very well rounded characters because you know some of even when they're murderers, they're not dislikable, and you you kind of you know most of the time understand kind of where their actions are coming from. You yeah, know? they're human and they're confused and they're understandable. And yeah, and no they're one grappling, they're, trying mm-hmm. to, they're struggling with things. And, and, and you see them keeping secrets from each other in a way that you would expect people in your own life to keep secrets, you know. I mean, if a guy's having an adulterous affair, he's not going to be yelling it to everyone, right? Like, it is going to be exactly. a secret, right? So, so, I mean, I kind of... I didn't despise this family. In fact, I felt yeah. like I kind of understood them, right? Like, you know, the Isabelle Huppert character is so interesting because, you know, on the one hand, you get the sense that she knows her son is a bit of a loser or certainly, like, incapable, you know, and unreasonable and that he's drinking too much and so on. On the other hand, she clearly loves him and wants to help him, yeah? So she's aware of what his faults are and trying to manage them while at the same time you get the sense that she's part of the cause of this problem that yeah, she's, she's still controlling and, as well. Yeah, you know. So so actually you get a very kind of complex depiction of people's motives and ideas and ways of being and their desires and so on. Kind of but that seems to me to be kind of, you know, the subject of the film, really. Uh, I think the thing about, you know, it being mediated is also kind of very strong. And I think the thing about Calais is there, you know. I think it is part of what you're seeing, you know. Um, but it's, but I wouldn't say it's the subject. I wouldn't no, say it's the true. main theme, you know. That's what, that, yeah, that's all I'm saying, really. Like, I think that I think that that brings in a an interesting kind of tension. It's um, it's just it's you're basically being told in this film look for something that is barely even there and notice how much it's not there. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm that's not, kind of the way I felt like. Yeah, because it because if I hadn't been primed to look for that, I would have noticed it a lot less. Yes. and I would have noticed its absence a lot less. I mean, the film is so interesting because it does things that you know, as a normal, as a consumer of Cineplex movies, you just don't expect them to do. It's not. It's not. It's not the normal syntax of cinema right it's kind of you know so for example there are there are moments here where you know there's a cut and all of a sudden like time has passed right or you know and and you're not too clear on on why that the the young girl committing her attempted suicide like you know I, I, i didn't see it coming which bit was that you know the girl the young girl appears in bed Right, and all of a oh, sudden yes, she's yes, sorry, in the hospital, right. right? And yes, yes. you know, you don't know where she got, or or they go visit the mother, and then the shot is held a really long time, you know, and you're looking to see why, mm. you know, but actually you can't really tell. And then of course it turns out that she's dead, but you find out that she's dead like six months later. So so actually, an ordinary cut could mean the next shot, 
or it could mean six months later, or yeah. it could mean you know this huge event has now happened. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it kind of it's a, it's the omission that's important. Yeah, like yeah. and also the the a cut could lead you into a whole other universe in Hanukkah's film, right? Like you know, uh, um, so I thought I thought it was interesting because you know when, before we began to see the film, we were talking about that advertisement, and you said it's like. What's his name? Oh, no, we, yeah, it was, it was an advert for a car, which is this goat. There's a black goat or sheep, and it's got horns, and it's the it's um, Jimi Hendrix is playing. And uh, and I made some joke about it being done by Terence Malick, this advert being done by Terence Malick. And then you said, was it really? And I said, do you think that Terence Malick could get to the point that quickly? Exactly, right? <laughs> so, you know, that he would need, like, 45 minutes of, of context or setup. Well, actually, Hanek is the opposite. It's like he moved, you know, like a cut can just move you on to something like completely different. I was know. noticing this, I was thinking about this as I was watching it, like it is, it is, he is so efficient and, and when, when he wants to move, I think he kind of has a reputation for being slow. Maybe that's also like an art film reputation thing that yeah. just comes with the territory, but, um, uh, but, but when he wants to move something along, he can and he does and he just does what's right and what it means is that when something takes its time, it, it feels, you know, there's value in that. And, yeah. and every shot is held for the right amount of time. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's not quite like cachet where in cachet, the act of looking is important in itself insofar as you are, you're being invited to search the frame. Yeah. Um, there's a feeling of that in this, but it's more about appreciating the composition, really. It's not about searching for clues in things. Yes. Um, Though sometimes there is that, because, yeah. you know, sometimes he... In this film as well, you know, so you could have like what I would call, you know, an, a normal time. Yeah, so the shot lasts this long and then there's a cut. And then there's times where he'll hold the shot for an inordinately long, you know, yeah. amount of time. And you're searching to find out why is this shot being held for yeah, so long. Right? Absolutely. Um, though I think kind of unlike in cachet you do actually then understand why the shot has been held yeah, you know? it's less uh, ambiguous so yeah then. the scene where the son goes into this council estate and then he gets beaten up and it's all done in you know quite a long shot right so you know the figures are almost like deep in the background like in front of this council estate right and you're seeing the whole council estate and then you hear them having a conversation and then he gets beaten up and you have no sense what's being said, right? And then actually, once you realize what is being said or what could have been said, then you understand the rationale. You know, what could you say when some people have been killed by your company, yeah. right? So he probably went there to apologize, got the shit beaten out of him. But actually, what do you need to hear? That's so much more powerful to yeah. just, like, you know, kind of words can't express, like, you know either the apology or the pain that someone else is feeling, yeah. right? And actually it is, you know, because that's the opposite of the mother who would have found the right words and the right box of chocolates, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and who would have diffused, who wouldn't even have gone there probably. But then right. also it, in, in retrospect, it recontextualizes that entire shot insofar as, as you say, you're seeing this, you see the guy walk um, up to this counter flight. So basically he's walking from close to the camera into the distance mm. and the camera, uh, uh, pans across and, and reframes on this council state, which takes up most of the frame, and and so it's it's in retrospect when you when you realise who he was and what the conversation, roughly speaking, was hap uh, was being. Um, 
you're you're being invited to to look at the differences between the council estate and the estate where this guy lives yes. with all this money. Well, actually, he's got a very posh flat. Yes, um, that his mum was paying for. I guess. But there's a hierarchy of that because you see how even the people in the council estate are so much better off than the African migrants, mm. you know, or or even the Moroccan servants, right? So actually, you get a real sense of that. Like you, you get that at the at the scene at the lawyer, the solicitors as well, when they pay off the families of the men who've been killed, right, and say, you know, we're offering you thirty five thousand euros, take it or leave it. And you see the people, and you think, well, like you know, they're like real kind of just working class people, right? And you know, for whom thirty five thousand euros is an enormous amount of money, but for whom they've also lost a family member, and how could you put a price on it? But you see that, you know, the way that they're dressed and they're at, yeah, you see they're working people. And yet there's these enormous gradations of differences in power and mm. status, right? From this bourgeois <coughs> family that you see, you know, through these working class people, which normally would be considered like the poorest people who live in a council estate and so on. But actually, there's also the Moroccan servants. And then there are people who are actually just off the boat and completely homeless, you know? Mm. I thought the film... It, it, it's interesting because it's not about that, but it's there. Like, as soon as you begin talking yeah. about it, you just can't escape it, right? It's, it's kind of almost one of those, one of those, one of those, I would say a structural absence, except it's not an absence. It peeks through the edges, you know, but as you said earlier, by not being the center, it actually does become the, an issue or the issue or mm. a central issue, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's always, it seeps in. It's funny thinking about again thinking about the way it was shot. The first the first time I kind of noticed it, uh, the way it was shot, I suppose the first time I noticed, I uh, really paid attention to kind of the economy of it, and and the, just that there's a there's a subtle kind of uniqueness to it, despite the fact that actually some of it is, looks like, quote unquote, any other film. Mm. Um, was the bit where the dad is in the car with his daughter, and that there are two shots in it which are. Uh, from the dashboard, and one of the one of the shots is looking left at the daughter, and the other shot is looking right at the dad, and they mm. just intercut back and forth, and mm. it's like a pretty normal, you mm. know, kind of way, uncontroversial way of shooting a scene like that. Um, uh, and the girl starts crying, and the dad's going, "Oh no, what's what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm sorry." And he pulls the car over, and I and I realised that any other director would have had a shot, an external shot, mm. of the car being pulled over. So you can see clearly that the car yes. has moved off the road. Yes. But he doesn't do that. Yes. You know, he, everything is still taking place inside the car and, and, and the camera is still on, on either the daughter or the dad. And you know the car's being pulled over. You hear the sound effects and then the car stops and you can see. But, like, the focus is entirely on their faces and it's, it's, the focus is always on the people. Yes. There's nothing, like, everything else, everything else informs the characters and when there's when there's no reason to show anything else you just show the people and that's all he does and I don't know there's something it's a, it's such a human film yes actually it's interesting you say that because I I just kind of again want to specify I think it is such a human film on the other hand it begins with something being filmed on a on a phone and it ends with something being filmed on a phone mm. right so the aspect the aspect of representation, mediation, all of those things are there. And then actually Jean... Uh, Jean um, is it Jean-Luc Trintignant? Jean-Luc Trintignant. Jean-Luc Trintignant. <laughs> uh, has this speech when he's talking to his daughter and, you know, uh, Jean-Luc Trintignant wants somebody to kill him or he wants somebody to give him something to commit suicide. 
He doesn't know, but probably suspects that his granddaughter is actually a killer. But they have this conversation about, you know, uh, um, about this because she's tried to commit suicide and Jean-Luc Tantignon wants to commit suicide. So he has this conversation about violence, which is one of Haneke's themes. And he says something like, you know, kind of violence isn't like you see on television, right? Like it is something that hurts. Yeah. He talks about seeing a bird of prey kill another bird. That's right. And, and it's not the same on TV. Yeah, how you're shaking, you know, when you see that. And I thought that was interesting because what you see in the film is also other kinds of violence, actually. You know, the, the violence that people do to each other, which is sometimes, like, quite, you know, something quite banal could have, like, you know, a real repercussion, right? Um, and something that seems to have a real repercussion, in a way, could also then be quite banal. So, for example, you know, for me, the sun coming in with the refugees at the end... Mm. You know, it's it's something that ruffles like the whole event. You know, it destroys the mood. It's of a the... huge, huge room full of white people. That's right. And then these kind of six deep, dark black faces uh, are introduced into it, and yeah. they're not comfortable being there either. No, it's the they've sun. They've been paid, and they forced to be yeah, there. It, yeah, but it's the sun's stunt. Yes, to to cause this conflict. Yes, you know. So that seems like something, but in a way, you feel it's nothing because. You know, uh, Isabelle Luper with her beautiful manners, comes in, puts everybody at ease, brings a table so that the black men could enjoy the, the party. With that said, she does break her son's finger. It explodes into physical violence. She breaks her son's finger. That's true. And, and that's and, very funny. And that shuts him up. It is very funny. Yeah. But it shuts him up. Mm. Uh, and then she says, okay, we're going to sort this out, have a table. And, and yes. she invites him in yes. and, and, and amicably kind of resolves it. Yes. But uh, it does, it, it explodes into, you know, it's, it's a kind of, it's like a social violence, I guess, that the sun is perpetrating. And then it's, it's, it's amplified. Yes. Well, not, not amplified, but it's actually concentrated, I suppose. It's concentrated in a single act of physical violence. Yes. I'll say two things. So first, I just want to comment on the performances. Right, because I think Jean-Luc Tantignon is so fantastic. And I think if you if you have grown up seeing him, you know, which maybe you have you haven't, but you know, um I have. I mean maybe not in an intimate way, I wouldn't say that I know all of his films, you know, but I've seen him in movies from the sixties, you know, through Il Conformista with by Bertolucci to Haneke's own L'Amour of a few years ago. And A, he's extraordinarily good. And B, there's just something about his star persona or the fact that you've seen him age on film, right, that aside from whatever his own performance gives is very touching. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think the other actors, you know, Isabelle Luper is, of course, you know, I've never seen her be, you know, anything else than, than, than excellent, really. And Matthew Kasowitz has a really interesting presence. He's the father, mm. right, who's most famous probably for being the director of Laen, right? I think he was also in Amelie. Um, and he's got kind of an odd, slightly discordant look, yeah, almost handsome. I thought, <laughs> I thought that was all kind of, you know, I thought that was worth a comment. And the other thing that I thought was worth a comment was... Almost handsome. <laughs> Damning with fake breath. Well... But it, I know what you mean. And it's, it's got a sort of unique look. Yeah. I mean, so I was, uh, Toby Jones is also in it, and I would describe him as having an independent look. 
An independent look. <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing that kind of slightly bothers me, or what I would see as a weakness, though, you know, it could just be me, is the sun. Hmm. You know, I kind of... Um, you know when he was doing the karaoke hip-hop number? Hmm. I thought some aspects were interesting, but... You know, it went on so long, and I thought it was very actory. You could see the actor was having a meal, was making a meal out of, you know, all the acrobatics and everything. I thought it was like a discordant note in the film. Possibly, I think I, I, I enjoyed the fact that he actually turned out to be quite good at the acrobatics. I was amazed. I yes. thought it would be he. He was kind of drunk. Uh, the scene is about uh, kind of expressing something physically that he clearly can't do. Yes. Vocally, yes. Or, 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 and also expressing something among strangers that he can't do with family. Yes. Um, uh, and again, it's, there's a kind of violence in it, um, but it, it's physical expression. Uh, so I kind of assumed that like, he would get drunker and drunker and more and more discombobulated and start falling apart. But actually, when he started rolling around and doing cartwheels, I thought, oh my God, he, he did a proper cartwheel. Yes. He did a handstand. Yes. He's, he's capable. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that, really. Like, yes. it was fun to see, that's mm. for sure. There's life in that scene. I really liked it. Yeah, but, the, but, I mean, I don't know, kind of. So, I suppose, like, the film is a critique, and, you know, you do get the sense that the sun is a nihilist, and, you know, so there's this thing about, like, the the mother is, is a real workaholic, and she's always, her mind is always on business, and, you know, on things to do, and, like, there is, like, his question of, well, why? Why do you have to work? Why do you, you know? Mm. So, but on the other hand, he clearly cares enough to, you know, be brought low by the whole thing, right? Yes. So, so, anyway, I, I mean, I think, I think the film is one of those films that will probably get even richer the more you see it. So, it could be that my reservations about that aspect of the film at the moment... There's an answer to that I haven't yet found in the film, right? But mm. uh, but for the moment, that is something that I, I wasn't quite clear or convinced by. I, I think it's very clear that though that, that um, you know on, on subsequent viewings it will, as you say, it will become rich. It's one of those that it, I, I think like like all Hanukkah to be honest, especially Cashier, which is um, my favorite film of his that. Uh, you know, the more you watch it, the more you notice, the more you're, tr- you're more, the more you're tortured notice. I mean, as we said before, the second time you watch a film is always different to the first because yes. you know what's going to happen. You, yes. you, you start to understand things to look for. And Hanukkah, I think, takes advantage of that. His uh-huh. films uh, are, are always more revealing with, with, with the context. Yes. I think also, you know, one of the things that I thought at the beginning is, you know, that there are films that you go to be entertained, right? Like, um, that's probably the wrong word because in a way everything can be entertaining. I know what you mean. There, there are films that you want to act on you and kind of there are films that you want to be engaged by but that might not actually result in pleasure, that might be hard viewing yes. or demand a kind of work from you. And I think all of Haneke's films are the latter. You know, kind of they make demands on you. But the thing is that I, I find all of his films that make demands on you also reward those demands. So actually the pleasure that you get from them is, I think, at least as great or sometimes even higher you know, than one of those films that kind of just work on your consciousness immediately. 
you know, it's kind of, it's, it's not just the sugar doughs, you know. Well, there's something quite interesting about that, which is, which is that, in a way, I kind of went into this film expecting a hard ride. Yes. Um, and, and so the fact that it was... Easy. <laughs> it, to, yeah, it, I yeah. mean, that's kind of, it sounds <laughs> insulting, so it sounds like it's like, it sounds like I haven't kind of appreciated it as much as I might. No, Maybe no, I haven't, no, but like, like but it, it, but it is an easy watch. Yes. The characters are fully rounded and you believe in them and it's very easy to to kind of take them in. Um, it, it's it's not kind of overly challenging you to your face, mm. I suppose. Um, and so so I kind of went in expecting a difficult ride and the fact that it was so easy to watch was incredibly pleasant. You know what surprised me was how funny it was. Yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. I, I had of, no idea. I mean, the humour is very black, but it's very funny. Yeah. yeah, and it's very, it's right there. Like, you don't have to dig for it. Yeah. You know, it's making jokes and yeah. things. So, and that was very unexpected for me, you know. Mm. So, kind of, that that was a pleasant um, surprise. And the audience got it, too. And the audience got it yeah, as well. It was, yeah. like I say, a pretty full crowd, and it got good laughs. Yeah. There was one in particular, the guy sat right behind me. There's a bit where Toby Jones, there's so many details. There, the, the, the scenes are rich. Like, I mean, when you're talking about not having to search the, the frame for, for clues and stuff, mm. but you still can, and they are full of things. Mm. And there was one point in particular where Toby Jones is having dinner um, uh, just in front of the TV and he's a, he's a, a lawyer somewhere or a, a, or a manager of something like that. Mm. Um, and, uh, and just in the frame, just in the foreground, out of focus, is a bottle of Campo Viejo wine. Yes. And I noticed that. And clearly the bloke behind me did as well because he laughed. Because yes. <laughs> that is such a symbol of I've been to Tesco and got a bottle of wine. Yes. Uh, and it just like that one as long as you recognize the bottle yes which i think probably a lot of people will because yes. it's that big yellow label i think yes. you recognize you you get that you get his character almost yes. immediately yes you do and i yeah. thought that was wonderful and that is I, I okay so i don't know i don't know actually i mean you can't tell where that came from maybe toby jones suggested it maybe hanukkah knows it maybe it's a big kind of popular bottle of wine elsewhere in europe yes but it tells you about his character no matter yeah. where that came from and that's great yes I I kind of you know I also wondered where the chocolates were from, but I couldn't detect it. But they looked very fancy. <laughs> anyway, on that note, you know this is a a, a film. I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it as well, and uh, uh, we highly recommend it if you get a chance to see it. I'm so glad that you said it was an easy watch as well, because I kind of almost felt ashamed to say that it was an easy watch because you feel like it's not supposed to be. Yes. Um, but actually, it's 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 lovely that it is, and it doesn't it doesn't dampen the experience in any way. No. Um, in fact, you know, I kind of, I mean, there were things that I, um, you know, well, anyway, I love it. You know, even though, as I said at the beginning, there was this moment in kind of a, a third of the way in or something, where I just kind of was still a bit unsure of how everything was falling into place, mm. and I did think, oh my god, this is a film that I might have to endure. But actually, it turned out not to be the case at all. I mean, so I didn't feel that at all. I think the film made me feel confident. Right. That, 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 that it would... So, you're so smart, Michael Glass. No, 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 no not at all. I just felt, this, I felt you know, I'd, well, not confident, but put it this way. I, I, didn't, I didn't at all feel worried that the film was not going to explain itself, which is interesting because I, cause I think sometimes with Hanukkah uh, and maybe art cinema in general, you feel like this whole thing is going to just add up to ambiguity. Yes. Which is not to say it doesn't in some respects... You know the film is is not is left on a kind of a cliffhanger, um, and there are aspects that are that are unresolved or unexplained. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like you know the characters, 
you you understand their relationships you kind of get all these people being brought together and the way they interact and the way they bounce off each other and so even though some things might be, end up being unresolved you don't you don't feel unfulfilled in a way that you know you, you don't come out of it thinking well it didn't explain that yes. you know or it was being cool and 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 calculating about this yeah no it's kind of uh, it, it was a it was a, a very enjoyable and rewarding experience so um ironic title though that's his thing Yes. I mean, whenever Hanukkah does a film with an ironic title, you know it's going to have some cool violence in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's end it here. <laughs> good film. I really it enjoyed was it. a very good film. <laughs>